Hi, my name is Daniela, and you are listening to the Audacious Path Podcast, the one and only podcast that is specifically aimed at adventure creators just like you and me. Every two weeks, I talk to other creators in the adventure sphere, and I ask them about how they started, grew, and monetized their adventure creator business. Now, today is extra special, a topic I've been wanting to talk about for ages, and I'm talking about it with Taryn from Wayward Life Sailing because we have a lot of rapport, so it's a good, good topic to talk to her about. Today, we're talking about how to effectively use tits and ass content. We're going to start out the podcast episode, probably about the first 40, 45 minutes, talking about the ethics behind using this strategy. To me, when I watch a channel and I see a woman in a bikini using, or a woman using TNA to get some attention into her channel, I never automatically assume that because she's put her butt or her boobs in her (laughs) thumbnail that she doesn't have the skill level. And then we're going to get into how to use it effectively. So there's lots of different ways to kind of be more subtle about it, I think, that it doesn't turn people off because you're not being so overt about the way that you're using sexuality. And then we're going to end with some YouTube guidelines. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know it's a little bit controversial. I know there's no possible way we could have covered all the points of views, and I'm sure I will have said something that is gonna be taken the wrong way, Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Let me know in the comments below or send me a DM on um, Facebook or Instagram at The Audacious Path and enjoy the episode. All right, so to start out with, tell me about your background, who you are, and kind of like your pre-sailing and then what your life looks like with your sailboat. So hi. My name is Taryn. Um, Me and my husband right now are rebuilding our steel sailboat on Vancouver Island. I've lived most of my life in Canada, but not all of it. And I just have a huge passion for traveling and for exploring, but also for making the world a better place and kind of exploring the human condition and sociology and psychology and how all those things intertwine, which is kind of why I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah. And so... You guys might remember that Taryn and I did an interview. She was actually the first person I interviewed for this podcast about her photography skills. Um, and we had such good rapport. Um, one of the reasons I chose Taryn to do this interview with is because I had interviewed or I asked so many people if they would be willing to do this interview. And unfortunately, people didn't want to be known for having used this strategy, which kind of makes sense. I get it. Like there's a lot of people who are going to give a shit about ta- having this conversation. I'm sure I'm going to say some opinions that people aren't going to agree with. Um, But I thought it would be really interesting to talk to you because um, we seem to align on a lot of our values, but you've also given me some really good pushback and challenged some of my views. So first and foremost, how do you define tits and ass content? Like, what does that that bring to you? What's the image? When I think of TNA content, I think of content that um, kind of centers a woman's body and what most people would call, I guess, assets. So I think any content that like the woman is like the center of that, and then whatever activity she's doing is kind of almost like a prop to her, even though it kind of it makes it seem like it's the activity that people are interested in. The reality is that it's her body that people are watching, I would say. And it's, I'd say it's almost exclusively women, but that's not, I mean, I'm sure there's circles where that's not true, but I would say for definitely for our discussion in our industry, in our area, it's like 99% women that are the center of that. Yeah. And so obviously like we're talking about sailing because you're a sailor and that's kind of how we connected. But I have seen that this theme is repeated within the adventure sphere. Um, It does kind of matter which area of the adventure sphere you're in, but especially like within sailing, 
using your body, I have definitely, I would confirm that, yes, I've seen like people using a female body to sell their content or to like make it the center of the content. Just like a quick overview, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper, but what are some of the potential um, positive and negative side effects that you have seen? Um, And just kind of graze over the top because we're going to dig into this. Um, I would say that from the positive side, having TNA in your thumbnail specifically really helps to bring people in because we, I think we've all been trained to some extent to see like a woman's body and be interested in it because like sex sells. And so I think that really is an easy way to bring people into your content, regardless of what your content is. Um, But I think that there's a huge negative connotation, both from like the sailing community and the larger community about using TNA as a way to bring people in. And also it may not bring in the audience that you're interested in having watch your videos. So I'm not going to call it names, but one of the first comments I got when, so I went online to a creator group, a YouTube sailing creator group, and I posted that, that I wanted to make this podcast and I was hoping to find someone who would be willing to talk to me about it. And basically the conversation blew up all over social media in the group um, with people putting a lot of opinions, a lot of people really, really supportive of me talking about this topic and a lot of people just really anti. So one of the things I want to talk about is the ethical dilemmas, the, the bad side of it. And one user said that she had seen, and it was a woman who said that she had seen um, women's bodies exploited in the specifically in the surfing industry, and um, and I, I've seen that as well, where it's been exploited in other industries. What would you say about that, like that that idea of exploitation? I think when we're talking about sailing content on YouTube too, I think that compared to like a large industry like surfing, where you've got really big money and big companies involved, I think that's also kind of a discernment that needs to be made. Because like all of us that are making sailing content, or 99% of us, I would say it's like us making it and it's kind of like crowdfunding as opposed to like having these big companies involved. You know what I mean? And I think there's like a big difference there as well because we get to have more say in how we use (laughs) use our bodies. And like men and women, we're all using our bodies when we're videotaping ourselves just like in different ways but we all have a lot more say in that compared to like I know what you're talking about with that comment about like the surfing industry and people having a really hard time because it's like the woman's body is still like the center above her skill set yeah I guess the only pushback that I would say to that is that um I think that when I've been coaching people, a lot of people come into growing their YouTube channel with these extremely unrealistic expectations of how their channel is going to grow. And when eventually reality hits and they realize that it's not going to grow as fast as they do, that's when I see a lot of people start turning towards using um, TNA content because then they start like, okay, well, I wasn't able to grow the way I thought I could grow. So now I'm going to do TNA. And I think that the way that in my mind relates to the surfing industry is that there is this like pressure to use your body to grow in a monetary way. And that was another comment the same user used is that like our bodies are associated with economic growth. If somebody else is taking your image and using it in a certain way, you get a lot less control still than you choosing to put your body into your content. You know what I mean? And I like, I understand what you mean. There's like a huge overlap between a woman's body and a billabong ad sorry to put a brand in there versus a woman's body in like my video or your video or whoever's video, right? Like 
it's still like we're still using the same tactics if we have a woman's body in those images to attract people and not every channel has this either like not every channel with women's bodies and it is a woman in the forefront making those videos and getting to control her own body so maybe that's more the distinction that I feel like is important is who is in control of that content being created and who gets to choose how that body is being used for that monetary gain. I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I guess the thing that just it keeps popping up is like that, that economic pressure, the economic pressure to like do something that maybe like isn't something that you necessarily want to do. But in the end, I do think it comes down to like, you have a personal responsibility to yourself and both can coexist. Right. Like that dichotomy of like you are personally responsible. This is your choice and economic pressure. Those are both true. Um, I, like what's the happy space? What's the ideal space? The ideal space is where you don't have the economic pressure. But I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like figuring out where that line is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting, too, with sailing, because like where that line is and the pressures that people have is so different from like sailor to sailor. You know what I mean? Like my economic pressures in Canada are going to be different than yours in New Zealand that are going to be different than somebody in the States or somebody in Europe. So, and also the ability to even use different tactics is different. Like somebody in the Caribbean using TNA is going to be so different than somebody in Norway using TNA. I do think that, uh, (laughs) I'm coming from a human rights background, but I do think that like sailing is this huge privilege it doesn't matter if you come at it like really poor and you bought your boat for like a couple thousand dollars or not like to be able to be a creator and have this as your profession is it's a privilege it really is a privilege that I get to create things and so it sucks that people experience that economic pressure um, but there's also other things you can do to make money. Um, maybe that's, I, I can already feel I'm going to get some pushback for that. And I'm sure there's like, there's always going to be some outliers, but I think generally speaking, like if you're a creator, this is something that like to be able to use your creative mind. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, if you want to look at like whether or not we're in a privileged industry, just look at the fact that almost everybody creating is white. And comes from like a middle class or upper middle class background. Even if it's like you bought a really cheap, crappy boat, most of those people still came from a background where they had some experience sailing or they had, they just like had the ability to take that risk without really worrying that much about losing everything. You know, if you're on the edge and you have no money, sailing is going to be the last thing on your mind unless it's like you want to jump on a boat so that you have a place to live but then you're probably not making videos about it because you probably can't afford a camera and that kind of makes me think of the next point this woman said which is that your schedules get full with modeling shoots and I think when I when she wrote that the thought that popped in my head was that um like everyone gets busy with something related to work. Like you, every every single person who works will end up doing something that they don't want to do because they need money. That's just part of working, right? And and I I, I agree with a lot. Like I agree with the sentiment behind things. Like I, I, it sounds like I'm like saying no, I don't agree, I don't agree because I think that there's there was truth to what was being said, but there's also again going back to that like privilege, like you know you yeah you have to do these modeling shoots and and it, it does take away from the fact that you can't focus on simply you know developing your abilities but like you know we have to make money so that sucks i think the distinction there too is like what's the difference between men in the surfing industry versus women i'm not trying to separate genders and say like 
and start that argument. But the reality is that like a woman in the same job as a man, especially when your body is centered, is going to be different. And it'd be really interesting to look at like how much time men spend on the same things that women spend in that industry. No, that that's completely true. I didn't think of that. Um, that you're you're completely right about that. And and that that's an interesting one, actually. Something that I probably need to spend more time thinking about. I I, I was totally thinking about it from the point of view of like, um, you know, like you just have to work. But you're right. It's, it's we're it, we're talking about the difference between the male experience and the female experience. And there is you're right. There is some truth to that. And that that sucks. Yeah. And I think that's more what the bigger battle is, is like you look at all these other professionals who have all this time and all this energy that goes towards even like the amount of money that in sports goes towards men versus women for like coaching and training and all that stuff is so much higher compared to like, yeah. Yeah. And in studying human rights, one of the things that we focused a lot is systematic, whatever it is. Uh, racism was a big one, of course. And and I think a lot of people don't understand what that means when you say systematic. And there was one example where I studied where it was like um, African-American women had, um, they were more likely to die in childbirth and their preschool kids were more likely to be um, kicked out of school for abiding a teacher, even compared to like their similar race. And it was just, the, the levels just kept going when you just saw that at every level of the system, there was something that was making it just a little bit harder and those stack up to be this like huge barrier. And I think you're right that, yeah, like the system I have seen personally as a woman where there are elements of the system that are like completely stacked against me and you're having to push a little bit harder. Yeah, I love having these conversations because I feel like even if you end not on the same page and with different opinions, each side like learns something and that's so valuable. What do you think about the fact that TNA content can contribute to, you know, uh, teen mental health issues, eating disorders, suicides, body issues, stuff like that. Cause that one was like, okay, you know, you never want to be part of that. I think too, like the issue's already there. So it's an interesting space to like, be like, are you going to play with what is already here? Or are you going to try to create something different? And if you want to effectively create a different space for people, how do you need bridge that gap so that that shifts? There's the way that the world is. And then there's the way that we want the world to be. But in between there, there's this huge gap. So the fact of the matter is that the way that the world is, is how it's going to continue to go until we can sh- like work on shifting it here. But if we go from here all the way to here all of a sudden, then people don't even listen to our voices. So like, there's got to be a way to bridge that space in between to shift things. And the unfortunate thing is that women's bodies for a very, very, very long time have been seen as objects in a way that really impacts our mental health like we're taught from like a very young age that if we're not attractive if we're not pretty then our value is lower than somebody who's beautiful that's the way that it is like that's just a reality of it and I think it's very important to look at how our actions are going to affect the next generation but we also can't like especially when we're in an industry where we're trying to be noticed and that's the number one thing that gets us money and gets us allows us to continue to influence people and to be present in people's lives is being noticed we can't completely discount that system just because we think it's crap i'm saying this as a person who every single day i fight the system and i'm like this is crap and i refuse to engage in it and i'm constantly seeing the fact that then i'm not being noticed i have so many thoughts i want to make sure i capture this the first one is um I spent a lot of time in my career being an activist. And and one of the things that I found about being an activist is I felt 
like, and I think you need these people, but they, they jump to what you desire so fast that they ignore the realities of taking everyone along. And, and I found it to be, I found that to be super judgmental. I was like, you can't just sit there and like rag on people for like not following everything that you want them to follow when they have learned that this is correct or true or good or whatever, you know, adjective you want to use. And, and they would be really just like, there was like hate and hurt and all these negative feelings towards people who wouldn't just, you know, use this plastic bag and stop eating meat or whatever it was. And, and I found that to be really, really, to be honest, harmful. I found it to be really harmful because out of that came that hate and that, that refusal to listen to people and figure out how we can string them along. But the other side to the coin is that we need those people. We need those people because they see a reality that most of people can't see. They see what we can look like and we need them to pull us. And then we need people in the middle to pull everyone else along. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I totally agree. Within, if we look at this industry specifically, so people trying to make videos on YouTube, it is a popularity contest to a pretty high extent. And so I feel like being that person at the extreme especially if we're just looking specifically at sailing, it's going to be really hard. For everyone that's not in the sailing sphere, but you're in adventure, sailing is typically um, above 65, according to analytics. <laughs> They're above 65. They live in the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and there's one more, the UK. Yeah. So, you know, like white majority countries um, and they're male. Their majority, I think like 80% of my audience when I had a pure sailing channel was male. And when I, like you remember when I had my uh, big uh, medical emergency that I dealt with, my comments showed that a lot of them were super religious. Like they were all like praying for me and, and have really traditional values on marriage. Like I got a lot of accusations about that. And so like, yeah, you're right. We're <laughs> in the sailing fears completely, completely that. And then you got to look at too, like how willing are those people to change their views if you're putting forward an idea that's different you know what I mean like are they willing like where is that pushback going to meet also do you care so if you end up with like you put an idea forward that most of your audience isn't going to resonate with or is going to be offended by do you care more about putting that issue forward and speaking on it or keeping your audience yeah and someone said that um, I think the same chick who talked about the surfing industry she said something about what was her comment don't we have to care about the well-being of the people and and the relationships and the impacts that we're going to have on the world and I thought that was so interesting because that is one of the things that I'm trying to teach in my course is that like you really have to connect and align with whatever message you put out there because in the long run it's not going to be possible to sustain your energy if what you're doing doesn't align with what you believe in your values and I think that like there's a lot of people that want to entertain people and that's what their goal is on YouTube and then for those people probably it does make sense especially to use something like TNA as a tactic because your goal is to bring people in to watch your videos to have a good time and how are you going to show them that they're have you're having a good time you show somebody in a bikini having fun <laughs> And there's value to that too. Like there was value to just being someone that people can just be entertained by. Like that's not like it's any less valuable. I want to jump back to specifically the teen, the impact on teens. Because one thing that I learned, um, I posted this on my Instagram. It was a picture of me in a bikini. And I posted something about how like my entire life I had always been told, I had um, two little brothers and they, uh, 
it was very much if you acted like a male, if you dressed like a male, if you were a tomboy, then you would be taken more seriously. You could make your way up in the hierarchy. Like in the hierarchy, there was like men, tomboys, girls. And then there was like the girly girls. And then that was how the hierarchy worked. So I always tried to present myself as masculine as possible in order to be taken seriously. And this post that I put on Instagram was basically saying like, sometimes I want to feel beautiful. Sometimes I want to put the nail polish on and the sparkles in my hair and I want to wear the earrings and I want to do all these things and I want to be taken seriously. And I think what I got out of that post personally is that how you post your body matters. There, that makes a difference. That post was an empowering post. Yeah, I totally agree. And I remember seeing that post and being like, yeah, this is very relatable. Especially, I think every woman can relate to that on some level. And I think like you like using TNA content, like there is a way to to use your body in a way that's not it's not you're not being exploited. Like what you said, you know, it's your choice. And you're also putting out a message that's helping young women, not hurting young women. Like the body is not in itself the problem. And I think that's that to me is what's really interesting, too, with this whole discussion is like nudity is not inherently sexual. But in our culture, it's almost inherently sexual. Same with like showing your boobs or your butt or whatever. Like, um, so growing up, I grew up with kind of a similar message, but I didn't, I was like, I have boobs. I had big boobs from like a young age, like 14 years old. I had large boobs and it was like, I would wear a tank top that somebody else with smaller boobs would wear. And people would look at me like I was sexualizing myself versus those people who weren't the same tank top with smaller boobs weren't, they were just walking around. And I would had a lot of shame thrown my way for like having any sort of cleavage. And it's like, I can't hide them. Like they're right here. They're large. What do you want me to do about it? Right. So I kind of leaned into that instead of um, allowing it to, I'd say like put a, box around me is like me just being sexual because I had boobs and I kind of used that to my advantage in some ways but it was like such a strange thing to me to think that like me and somebody with small boobs can stand next to each other and have like that person standing next to me could be a more sexual person than I am but because I have big boobs people are going to look at me like I'm more sexual than she is you know what I mean it's like such a strange kind of um yeah, understanding of how our bodies that we have zero control over how they are built can be the thing that defines us the most in society. And if you're talking about like dressing feminine versus dressing masculine, it's still your body that's defining you in that scenario. And like, I'm a welder, like out of high school, I went to welding school, I didn't go to university, I didn't go into a job, like I went into a very male dominated space where I was almost always the only woman. And like, my boobs are still my boobs, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter how many layers I put on whether or not I'm showing cleavage, I still have big boobs. And for (laughs) the vast majority of men, when I was in my like, teens and early 20s, boobs were like a the pinnacle of sexuality. You know what I mean? So it's like, it didn't matter what my skill set was or what I was doing. My sexuality was always forefront in every interaction that I had within that schooling. It makes me think, um, 
there's nuance to all of this. And it makes me think of this. um, I I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I took um, this relationship course on how to have healthy relationships and communicate and stuff like that. And one of the modules in the course was around meaning making. And it was talking about how um, one thing that a lot of adults don't grasp is that we all the way there's it's psychologically it's called imprints right so like um coffee for example is imprinted very young that coffee is a big part of american culture we love our coffee every morning you have your coffee whereas in japan it would be something like tea right it's completely different and therefore like you know whether or not i have coffee in the morning would mean nothing if i was japanese and your experience with your boobs is imprinted different than mine and therefore there's different meaning and I think one of the things that sticks out to me about this, the reason I'm even bringing this up is because for one person, the surfing industry might've been this really exploitive thing. Whereas for another woman, it might've been this really empowering thing. And I think probably the message that I would keep putting out throughout this podcast is that you're, you get to control the meaning you make and you get to control um, how you choose to your body. And, and the most empowering thing I think that any woman can ever do, if we want to talk about true feminism, it's controlling yourself. You get to have power over yourself. Yeah, I think you're very right about that. And I think you and I kind of had that discussion earlier on too, maybe about how it's like more about, yeah, who gets to define how your body's being used than it is about how your body's actually being used as a woman from that standpoint. Right? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's like, to me, when I watch a channel and I see a woman in a bikini using, or a woman using TNA to get some attention into her channel, I never automatically assume that because she's put her butt or her boobs in her (laughs) thumbnail that she doesn't have the skill level to be sailing or that I wouldn't want her on my boat with me helping me sail it if I was trying to go somewhere. You know what I mean? But I don't, and I think like in the discussion that we were, that was happening on Facebook, a lot of people were saying that as soon as they see that, it's a trigger for them to think that that woman shouldn't be taken seriously. And I think that's a very interesting kind of understanding, like you're saying, an imprint within our culture. And I think that also kind of comes back to what you're talking about with like influencing teenage girls. So like, how can we, can like women that are of that really high caliber of skill level show up in a bikini and still be taken seriously? And how do we kind of maybe shift that towards an understanding that a woman isn't defined by what she's wearing and could bikinis in thumbnails be a tool to kind of change that understanding? I think it's really interesting because there's two things happening here. One is where you're acknowledging that wearing a bikini does impact a woman being serious being taken seriously. And the other is acknowledging that if we continue believing that and and acting in that way, we're just imprinting the next generation with that same thought process. Does that make sense? Like, and it's funny because the woman who ended up saying that she was like, you know, like I, if you wear a bikini, you're not going to be taken seriously. She reminded me of of my (laughs) ex-mother-in-law. My ex-mother-in-law used to always say to me, she was like, little girls wear pink, little girls wear pink, you should be wearing pink. And and it was funny because in, in one way she's right, right? Like you're not going to be taken seriously in the workplace if you're wearing pink all the time. But the only person who told me that was her. 
right? She was the person who told me that. And this woman who was like, you're not going to be taken seriously if you're in a bikini. She was the only person I'd ever heard say that. And it's, it's us communicating that to each other over and over and over again, that's imprinting that idea on our mind. And there might be truth to it. Like, you know, you can't deny that truth. And, and maybe I shouldn't shut down that conversation because that because it's true let's why can't it be said but the other side of the coin is is that we are continually imprinting that you do not deserve to be taken seriously or you will not be taken seriously if you wear a bikini if you wear that pink thing if you look at that too and break down like why wouldn't you be taken seriously when all you're doing is wearing a piece of clothing that you're comfortable in and that makes a lot of sense in a lot of environments right like you wouldn't say that to a man wearing any kind of bathing suit why do you say that to a woman and i think that a lot of it just has to do with the way that, especially the male brain, because let's be honest, the male gaze is the center of most of what we're doing here in sailing because our audience is mostly male um, and it's a mostly male dominated industry and field too. Like most of the sailors still are male. So the issue then is like that man's not going to take this woman seriously because she's in a bikini as opposed to however she's presenting herself. So the issue isn't actually the woman and how the woman's walking, what the woman's doing, what her actions are. The issue is the man's brain and how his brain is reacting to that woman. You know what I mean? And if you center it that way, sorry, if you center it that way, instead of like, what are we doing? Are we doing something wrong? Then that, that understanding is very different. And through my own experience, again, coming back to this, like I, and we talked about this, or your post touched on this too, like being comfortable in your body in a bikini versus being comfortable in like baggy or clothes or whatever. I was always more comfortable in tight clothing. Like the more skin I show and the more I'm like presenting myself, yeah, in tight clothing and like in a way that I feel comfortable, I feel comfortable walking around in tight clothing and showing my assets. That's how I feel the most comfortable. So I always kind of leaned into that, even though I was having like, my mother was so shameful towards me, like growing up, like cover your boobs, cover your boobs. Do you want that kind of attention? Do you want those men looking at you? They're gross. They're going to think that you're trying to sell something like straight up. And I just was like, I don't care. Like, these are my boobs. I'm leaning into it. But the one thing that I learned through that, because I was showing up with confidence on top of like, I wasn't doing it to please them. I was showing up with confidence and it just happened that that was the part of their brain that was you know, used when they were looking at me, I guess. But I learned that that was also something that could be used to my advantage because if they're not taking me seriously, then they also have no idea what I have to offer and they, I can almost do what I want within that sphere. I was talking to another female sailor and she mentioned that she used to work um, on super yachts or yachts or something like that. And she she was the most qualified person on the boat. She'd worked longer on boats. She'd worked longer on the specific boat. And she would have these new guys that would come in. And then whenever they they were working with a contractor or whatever it is, they would immediately start addressing the men. And she at first she would cut and be like, yeah, hey, actually, I'm in charge here. I'm the one with the experience here. But then she was like, but then I don't have to do the work. Like, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to, I can sit there and like twiddle on my phone or go for a swim or whatever it is because all the guys were doing something. And she was like, I could sit there and fight all the time, but those guys could also be like, hey, she's in charge. And it's, you, you could argue and you could get all mad and say, well, you know, she's letting the men do the work and like, it's just not fair, blah, 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 whatever it is. But like, they could also say something. It doesn't have to always be her fighting for her place. Yeah, totally. And it's like, and that's the thing too, like if you're underestimated, like 
how much potential do you have to kind of do what you want without the interference then of those men fighting you or arguing with you? You know what I mean? Like there's definitely yeah pros and cons to all of it. Um, and I think that's kind of the same situation when we're looking at TNA and videos and TNA and thumbnails. And like, if you're the woman in charge of that content and you're feeling confident about it, you feel good putting your body out there and that's what you want, then there's like this huge area where you can expand and achieve your goals. The only thing I would add is that you do need to stand by your values because in the end, the only person you have to answer to is yourself. And if you do decide to take advantage of your looks in whatever way possible, that you need to set boundaries around your values, like what that means. Um, because I, I, yeah, I've, I've, I know that in the past when I didn't fully understand myself, I didn't know my values. I have taken advantage of my looks in a way that like, I'm not looking back and proud of and, and that sucks. And I, and now I understand that like, I will use my looks in ways that like, uh, align now. I know what you mean. It's a lot of kind of self-discovery, especially when you're in a space where you have one idea of what a woman is thrown at you or one idea of what a body is like we're discussing thrown at you, right? Like figuring out where your definition is within that society is a whole other discussion and a whole other self exploration. So. A quick pause here. This week is extra special because I am finally launching the pilot version of my course to five channels who have agreed to help me test out all of my modules. Now, if you are on my newsletter mailing list, you will get access to the course first when it actually goes out to the public and you will get access to a really hefty discount code as well as an affiliate link. So if you share my course, you get a percentage of the sales. So make sure you go and sign up my newsletter below. There's a link in the description or in the bio and um, enjoy the rest of the episode. What do you think about um, women who have channels and they're feeling pressure from their partners? Because oftentimes you'll hear like feedback saying like, oh, like they're just putting their partner on display. Um, I, and I personally find that to be like this really disempowering view. But the other side of the coin is surely that happens. I'm sure it does. And that's that's like a whole other discussion of like that relationship and how healthy that relationship is too, right? Like if you're not in a relationship where your partner respects where your boundaries are, that's a whole other discussion you've got to be having. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, cause it doesn't, it's not any less good or bad to put yourself online, but that for the relationship, like is making you do that, cross your boundaries, then that's where the good and bad comes in. It's not your body. That's the problem. It's the relationship. And the fact that your partner wants to use you as a tool for whatever gain. And I can say that there's channels where I feel like that's exactly what's happening within the channel. And I don't watch those channels because I feel that way. One comment that really stuck out to me, and this kind of circles a little bit back to some stuff we've already said, is one person said, um, uh, women who, I'm going to quote the quote here, women who aren't as attractive sometimes don't like that as they can't physically do something that someone else can do. And so they make up BS excuses and try to force equity. For example, if a stunning supermodel is getting more attention than you at the bar, should everyone have to wear a paper bag so you feel better about yourself? What I think is interesting about this comment is A, it resonated with me big time, um, but B, like my sister is is a mom, right? She's living a life that she's got two kids, she has a house, she, she's got a very stable job, 
And it is not a life that I would personally want for myself, but she's so happy, right? She's so happy. And my life, like when I go out and I'm like, you know, in the snow or whatever, or I'm just like out doing some kind of crazy adventure where I'm miserable, that sounds horrible to her as well. But for a very long time, I viewed her life, and I hopefully she doesn't take this personally, <laughs> but I viewed her life as less empowered. And now as I've grown up and I've understood feminism more it for me it's about choosing you get to, it goes back again going back to be able to choose your life and this kind of makes me i think the reason this resonated with me is because i think that there's truth to this right it's not always true but i do think there is truth to that um we we don't want some people to be able to use their body because we can't i don't know does that make sense so you're saying that like certain people are against the whole TNA concept because they don't have the same capacity to use their body in that arena. Is that what you're saying? One example of older channels. I've heard a lot of older channels say, you know, like it's unfair. Like that's one, the word unfair. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you were like a program manager or a videographer, like that's unfair. That's the same thing. Like you have a skill that I don't have and, and you're bringing it to the table. Like, I know I'm bringing my looks, whatever, you know? Like, it's for me, it's the same thing. I think it's just, like, one of those you can kind of gain that skill and another you can't. But I do completely agree. And it, I would say that it is unfair. And that's very accurate. But that's just like kind of the reality, too. Again, we come back to that, right? It's like, our, we, come, we live in a society where we champion youth. We do. That's just the reality of it. And I don't, and it's like, across the world like across our society in every single industry we champion youth you feel like as soon as you get to a certain age you don't have as much value despite the fact that you're like this encyclopedia of knowledge how do we treat our older people we treat them like they're useless but the fact of the matter is that they aren't they have this entire encyclopedia inside them this wealth of knowledge that they could share and a lot of the time we just disregard it because our society champions youth. Yeah. What you said about how one is a skill you can gain and one isn't, that resonated with me. But then I think about things like creativity. Like some people are just more creative, right? Like that's not a skill that you necessarily can develop. That's something that you're born with. Or you might be born with a math mind that makes you better at something. So that was a little bit of an argument that happened on one side. And then the other side to the coin is thinking about like, well, we have this wealth of knowledge and you're right. Like that's so valuable. Is there, is there, is there a shift that needs to happen? And if so, like what's, how do we do that? How do we value our older people more or people who maybe aren't more looking good looking, or is that not something that can happen on YouTube? When you're watching YouTube, you're watching people. That's like what you're, the entertainment is the fact that you're like viewing something. So if people don't want to see older people or they don't, they feel like that's less attractive, then that's a pretty uphill battle. But I don't feel like, and then there's the question too, like, okay, if you're sharing your adventures on YouTube and are you doing that because you want to share sailing knowledge? Are you doing that because you want to share yourself? Are you doing that because you want to be front and center of the entertainment? Because like, if it's like you're looking at, you want to share knowledge, there's other avenues for that. You can have a blog, you can have, you can write books, like there's all these other different avenues that you could also share that information. But if you're wanting to be front and center um, as an older person, I really don't know. I don't like, I'm in my thirties. I don't have very much insight about like what that avenue of life is like. Well, I have seen a few channels be able to grow faster. Like uh, they're not, you know, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, 
um, did a bunch of research on successful channels and I came up with what I call the vlogger formula, which is like all the things that you need in order to be a pure vlogger, right? It's if you want to just show your lifestyle. And what I came up with basically is that if you don't have almost every single one of these things, then the alternative is to focus, right? Focus down on something and that will be the way you can grow. And I have seen channels that are older grow really fast and be successful, but they're not doing this lifestyle vlogger thing. And I think that they just being real about like, what, what are your strengths, your weaknesses and all of that can be like, you can grow regardless of your looks. Like it doesn't, you don't have to like, does that make sense? I can think of two off the top of my head that would fall into that category as well, for sure. But it's like, they're either sharing like past event, like past stories of really cool adventures that they've had that people are very interested in learning about or they're sharing skills like you're saying I think I need to do a podcast with an older youtuber or couple um because I feel like we we don't have very much insight to offer on this topic <laughs> yeah sorry guys we do want to address this topic but um and, and I'll look into that I'll definitely put that on my list so yeah okay so there's something that you said before that I want to address and this is something that came up quite a lot which is that Someone said, if you choose this brand style, then you acknowledge that you're doing it for the uh, gaze. Sorry, you're doing this for the male gaze for commercial gain. Um, And you just need to acknowledge that the, the result is the impact on the audience. And someone else wrote that the amount of hate and negativity these channels get is a good first reason that we wouldn't use this. Someone else said that every time I personally see this, that um, people are begging for views and stuff, I cringe and I won't even watch it. And that if you are using this, then you just need to suck it up because that's the audience that you're attracting. What do you think? And let me just be a little bit clear is that this kind of content can attract an audience that is only interested in your body. And sometimes that can be an audience that's not very friendly. They're not very grateful. They're not saying things that are going to build up your self-esteem. That's what I'm referring to. For one, we, I think we can agree that this is victim blaming, right? It's victim blaming to say that you did this, therefore you deserve those comments you did this and you should expect those comments, but that doesn't mean you deserve those comments. Those are different things, right? The, and, and when you say that you should, ex- you deserved it, then that's saying that you're the problem. But if we're trying to make massive changes in society, then we say, no, actually you're the problem for making that comment. But the other side to the coin is that you did expect those comments and we do have a personal, personal responsibility to protect ourselves, right? Like it's not about... I'm trying to think how to say this in a way that it resonates because this is something that I heard over and over and over again, and it only resonated this last year. Like I was in a a toxic, um, emotionally abusive relationship, right? For a very long time, for 13 years of my life. And one of the things that I realized in the last year is that I was attracting that type of relationship because I was also that type of person. Does that make sense? And it's, I'm, I'm writing a line here because I can see myself like saying, yes, no, yes, no. But there is a line where you choose to do something and there are consequences and you need to see those consequences and you need to say, do those consequences make me feel safe? If they don't make me feel safe, am I okay with accepting them? Because you can't control other people's actions and people are shitty. 
People are shitty and we can want, we can dream, we can try, we can try to make movements to change people, but we're humans and there's shitty people out in the world. And so how, like, does that make sense? I'm, there's a lot of points in my head. I, I can feel like I'm, I'm processing here. <laughs> Cause there's like, I think it kind of comes back to that idea too of like, where are we and where do we want to go? Right. And it's like, so it's like bridging that gap. It's like, okay, so we're in a world where TNA gets you both pushback in a very negative way and a lot of attention. So what's your goal? Where are you trying to get? Are you trying to get to a place where you get a lot of attention and then you can make money off of your YouTube videos and that's your number one goal and you don't really care how you get there? Or you're at a place where you want to feel like your videos are kind of a safe space for you where you get feedback from a community that supports you and is good to you. And so if this, like, depending on what your goal is, that middle ground is going to look a lot different. That, yes, that's a great way of framing it. You're right. And I, and I also think, again, going back to that, like, middle ground, that you can be a space that makes changes as well, right? Like, you could go into your channel, um, decide to use your body to sell your content to some extent. You could get a bunch of shitty comments, and then you could slowly address that over time and make a change within your audience by showing some empathy and, and kindness and, and actually having a conversation. Or you could say, hey, I don't, I don't have the strength for that, or I don't have the will, or I don't want to, or whatever reason it is that you're not doing that. I think just understanding that there is truth to the fact that you do this, this is the consequence. That's kind of where I sit, if that makes sense. For everybody's mental health that's trying to be a part of this, it makes, like, you have to address that. You have to be aware of what the potential um, pushback might be and aware of how much you can handle it. And I think, like, personally, there's a lot of steps that I haven't taken because I'm not ready to hear the negativity. And I know that I'm in a place in my life where like even strangers on the internet, I can't handle more crap. You know what I mean? And so I will make decisions on my channel and how I present myself based on the fact that I can't deal with that backlash that day. Okay. So I don't want this to be a super long podcast. I, I love what we've talked about and I feel like we could go on forever about this, but I want to jump to how to use it effectively. Um, with one last point though, someone did say, they're like, I trust that we as women have more to bring to the table. And I will just end this whole ethical dilemma conversation with um, why not bring it all to the table? If you want to, if you personally want to, why not bring it all to the table? Because absolutely, we have way more to bring to the table than our freaking bodies. I 100% agree with that. But you know what? I still got my good looks. Why the hell should I not use them? So let's talk about how we can use it effectively. And I thought one of the most interesting things you said is that um, you've seen TNA used in different contexts and, and, and you've seen people use it effectively I and mean, you've seen people use it ineffectively and it will determine how you watch a channel. Tell me more about that. I can look at a thumbnail and I know if it was like a man that created it or a woman that created it. You know what I mean? Or like a man <laughs> with like the male gaze and sexuality in mind versus like a woman on a boat doing something cool and they just happen to be in a bikini. I guess that's more the differentiation. Like are boobs or a butt the very center of this, or do they just happen to be accentuating the activities that are going on? And I think that's what I differentiate between. So if there's like a woman in a bikini, she's probably in somewhere that's really nice and warm. And maybe that's where I want to be today is I want to be like right now it's like below zero outside. 
I want to escape to some nice tropical destination. So if I see a woman in a bikini, I'm going to watch that video. But also, if I see a woman where it's like her butt or her boobs are the center of that video, I know that I'm probably not going to be that interested in it because it's going to center that woman's body and it's going to center people talking a lot. And I'm probably not going to be interested in that. Because I care more about the scenery and I care more about the destinations than I care about like necessarily the personalities that are involved in it and what their day-to-day looks like. And I, and I think the, the point here is that there are um, there's different levels to TNA content. And I think understanding the different levels can tell tell you as a creator how to use the strategy effectively. So at the very extreme end, we have sailing doodles. <laughs> and you could even put like my channel at the other end, which like, I think about this, like I will be completely 100% audience, audience, 100% honest, sorry, <laughs> that I definitely see um, how what I wear makes a difference. I mean, God, I'm, I'm, I might get some shit for this and people are going to judge me, but something as simple as like the top that I'm wearing right now. I wear this in every single podcast interview that I do. I, I warm up my room. I take off the shirt because just having a little extra skin, something like that, I have noticed makes a difference. And you, this is conservative. This is freaking conservative, right? But this is me strategically understanding that I am a woman that like, I don't know what you want to rate me. Seven out of 10, eight out of 10, whatever you want to call me. (laughs) I think I'm beautiful. I don't care if you do. (laughs) But I do know that my looks make a difference on my channel and I'm thinking about it. And and I, uh, there's levels. That's it right there. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have that same conversation. Not so much right now with project videos, but when I'm out on the water, I'm definitely like, which thumbnail is going to get the most attention, but without making it seem like this is just going to be a girl in a bikini the whole time. And I've got to say, I've used one shot where I was cold dipping off the back of the boat. It was so cold. And there was like the whole end of the video was just about me going for this very cold dip in March in Canada. And (laughs) I used a thumbnail of me getting out of the water. So it was like a big cleavage shot. And I had a few people comment and be like, why'd you choose that thumbnail? And then there was, but man, like I got way more views off the top from that video. I also made a short of it and it was like, it's still my second highest performing short, even though there's like, it's just me in the water and then I get out, but it was obviously the boobs that did it right off the bat. But neither of those videos transformed into very many subscribers. They were just like, I got a lot of click through, but then that was the end of it. So I was like, well, that didn't really help me out that much. Like. And I think it's really important here just to quickly pause um, and clarify what is clickbait. Because that, that is something that comes up all the time on the YouTube group that people completely don't understand clickbait. Clickbait is when you put something into your thumbnail and title that you're never going to see in the video, right? So for example, Taryn here is talking about how she um, was in the water and she was swimming. That actually happened in the video. So to use a thumbnail that shows that scene is 
completely accurate. That's not con considered clickbait, right? And, and it's really just, it is a strategy that is a little bit misleading and did have an impact, but it's not clickbait in the way that clickbait is defined. So there's a couple of things that I, I wanna address here, which one is that um, it didn't bring in the engagement that you wanted. You wanted more subscribers. And I, and I think that's like when you're trying out this strategy of using your thumbnails to attract attention, that you do need to look at those analytics and actually see if they're performing on the way that you want. It's not just about views, right? Like a lot of people are like, oh, I got a lot of views. But it also, yeah, that needs watch time, right? And watch time is session time. And you also need more subscribers and you need like a returning audience. Like all of those other metrics really matter when you're using the strategy. And I think for like the content that we're making specifically, I mean, we're going to be in the North for the next probably five years. So to, for me to use a thumbnail of me in a bikini for most of those videos just does not make sense because the fact of the matter is that I'm going to be in foulies. It brings me back to A, the theme of authenticity and B, going back to defining what TNA content means, right? Because if you wanted to, you could be this woman in this very sexy full body suit in this like furry jacket or whatever it is that was still using your good looks to some extent in that setting that was authentic to your experience if you wanted to, right? So there's like, well, like showing skin isn't the only way to use your body. There's other ways to do it, but it does need to be authentic to your experience. I put no shame on women that are using their bodies in whatever way makes them comfortable to get whatever they want. I don't think like from whatever that spectrum looks like, I have zero shame. I feel like zero judgment for those women. So I'm in the future, you might see me in a tight outfit with a nice little winter jacket. We'll see how it goes. It depends on how cold I'm going to be. <laughs> Can I make it practical? But again, like I'm saying, I'm comfortable in tight clothing. So like, honestly, I would be more comfortable in a pair of nice thick leggings than I would be in foulies. So we'll see. I think one of the things that a lot of um, audience members especially don't understand is that when we make choices like this, right? Like when you choose to use your body to sell, that's not the first choice you're making, right? Like that's one of many choices that you're making to promote your channel. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, they only did that because of the money or they only did that because of that. But for me personally, and I think this is probably you too, when I put together an episode, like I put my heart and soul into it and I want people to watch it. I want people to see the love that I put into it. And I always try to make sure that there's some kind of impact that I'm having or some lesson that I had to suffer through that I'm passing on. And when I put a thumbnail on that is good looking that I know is going to work to get clicks, it's not because I'm just trying to get fucking views. It's because I really like what I created and I want people to see it. Like I want people to see it. And first and foremost, I put my heart and soul into that video. Not I wanted to create TNA content and then I, I wanted to get views and all of that. Like that's not the first thing that's happening. That's one of many strategies that I'm using. One of many things that I'm thinking of. One of many values that I'm considering. And you're working within a framework too. Like you don't get to choose what kind of thumbnails people click on. You're working within the research that you've done that tells you, okay, my goal is to have people see this so that they can see my heart and they can see the effort that I put in. And you're trying to add value to people's lives, but you have to figure out how to get them to that value. And that's the framework that you're working in. You don't get to decide how that framework is built, unfortunately. That's YouTube deciding that. And I thought it was funny because I saw this comment once and it was like, oh, you're only doing that for the attention. And it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> 
Why do you think I'm on YouTube? Yeah, no doubt. I want people looking at me, okay? That's just the reality of it. I think I'm interesting. Sue me. But attention, and this is one thing, again, I think something that I learned in my course is that the need for attention is not in itself destructive. It's how you go about getting that attention that can be destructive, right? And again, I'm going back to like that the range of tits and ass content or TNA content that how you choose, if you put yourself beyond your comfort zone, if you're doing something that is not aligned with your values, if you're using clickbait, like all of those things can be destructive ways of getting attention. That's the problem, not the need for attention itself. In fact, the need for attention goes way back to your childhood. <laughs> you, want to, you want to talk about that? Get psychologically, you know? Attention is not a bad thing in itself. I agree. And I think I think a lot of like the pushback that people get from that is like people not being able to step into their own true desire to have people notice them and to acknowledge them for who they are. I had an interesting conversation with a cousin a little while ago and she was like almost completely off of social media because she said that she felt like people that were sharing on social media were just doing it for attention. Um, and this is somebody coming from a very farm background, which is like where my parents are from. It's like, Eastern Alberta in Canada, which is like the, you're taught that you don't ever ask for attention. If people notice you and notice what you're doing, then it's okay to kind of boast about it, but you never go and boast about who you are or what you do or how you're doing it. So that works really well if you're in a farming community where everybody knows each other and everybody's trying to get along because you have to like literally depend on each other for your survival you don't want a bunch of jealousy. You don't want a bunch of infighting because you have something that somebody else wants and they decide to do something to take it from you or whatever. But in the world that we're living in, where most of our social interactions are through Facebook, through Instagram, through YouTube, there's so much less time that people spend with each other in real life. You have to boast about what you're doing and you have to talk about who you are and what your goals are and like put yourself forward. And I was saying to her that like, I've built such a community through sharing, like three days ago, I met people from Norway and Sweden that had sailed here through the Northwest Passage, which is, we're hoping to do that eventually. The only way that I met them was because both of us have been sharing our adventures and boasting about what we're doing through Instagram. And so we connected through Instagram. They came and hung out. We had such a fun day, went for this awesome hike. And without sharing those things with each other and through the internet, we wouldn't be building that community. And there's so much value in that when that's your goal, especially is to like not just get attention and have people looking at you, but to build community and to meet like-minded people. And I think it's so much our choice how we choose to use that and how we choose to use the attention that we potentially have and the, the attention that we have already which comes back to the whole TNA thing again. What have you seen work for channels that use, you know, provocative thumbnails? And then I'll just start out where my favorite creator of all time, Ava Zubek, in pretty much every single thumbnail that she does, she's wearing a tank top and it's got this little casual cut right here. It doesn't go down very far. She's a sexy woman. She looks fucking wonderful. She's got a beautiful smile. And that's that's a really interesting one that I've discovered recently. Just looking attractive on a thumbnail makes a huge difference. I A-B tested this. I put a thumbnail where I was looking like um, I was had a face. It was like a question face. And it was, it wasn't like horrible, but it was like, kind of like, huh? You know, it was like, a, it was like a, huh? And then I redid it. And the same thumbnail, same 
clothes, same color, same everything. And I went back and did it one more time. And I was like, huh? You know, just like a little bit of a smile, like a tease. And it was that tiny little facial expression that I could visually see was slightly more attractive that made such a difference. It's that nuance that I think is where you can be successful in this and not harm your audience or not harm not harm the comments you're getting back, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I can think of one, like there's a few channels that have really exploded because of using the word nude in one of their videos. Like they go to a nude beach or they go to something and it's like even maybe the thumbnail isn't provocative, but the idea that they use that word, something that people are interested in enough that it will come up in searches and stuff. So there's lots of different ways to kind of be more subtle about it, I think, that it doesn't turn people off because you're not being so overt about the way that you're using sexuality, which sounds very manipulative when I say it, but that's also, that's the reality. I'm sorry, being honest. Yeah, and it's like the girl next door is going to be a lot less threatening than like some super hot woman if what you're trying to attract is like somebody that's actually interested in your storytelling and your content instead of just your body. I think the other nuance, this is so interesting. I, I messaged one channel. Um, this woman, she wears almost no clothes. Her in every scene is her in a bikini. And I learned that she is a bodybuilder. She did shows and she would go on and she would do all these like gigs where she would like show off her, you know, her ripped six pack and her arms and stuff like that. And that was the environment that she lived in. And they had this growing audience that absolutely loves them. The comments are absolutely lovely. They're not super horrible. People engage with them in a very kind way. And what clicked for me, I was, I was like, I think what's working here is the authenticity of wanting to do that and feeling comfortable in that space. And, and it kind of goes back to what you said before, where you can sense when it's like something that is being done for a male gaze versus something that's being done because someone wants to do something. And if you're trying to use TNA content to grow your channel, if you're not coming from a place of this is what I normally do, this is what I feel comfortable in, this is, this is my space, people are going to pick up on that. People pick up on those feelings. Yeah. And if it like helps to tell your story that you're in a bikini, why wouldn't you use that? If you know that that's a tool that's A, going to attract people and B, it helps to tell your story. It doesn't make sense to cut that out because somebody's going to be offended by somebody in a bikini. What have you seen that's like too provocative? It doesn't work. Like what are some of the signs or things that you've noticed? Uh, you said before, like this boobs are the center of it. What is, tell me more. To define what success is versus like, I think I'd have to have an in-depth conversation with those channels and be like, what was your goal with using this content? And did you reach that goal? Like I can think of a couple of channels that I've been very turned off by their content and felt like it was either inauthentic they were straight up lying or it's just like not my vibe to see a woman's body in that presentation, but maybe that's exactly what they wanted. And it's definitely gotten them the views that they, that I would assume they wanted. So maybe it's paid off. I, I think, I think one of the big things that I've noticed is um, kind of what you said, where like, it's not your vibe. It feels like it's not authentic. It feels like they're lying. I've seen videos where, for example, it'll start out with like thumbnail. You've got like, they're talking about the anchor and then there's a woman and, she, and she's like so accentuating her boobs. That it's just like freaking crazy. You're just like, we're talking about anchors here. Why are your boobs right there? Like what you said, boobs in the center, right? And then you go click on the content and it's shitty content. It's horrible content. It's boring. It's not fun to watch. And so people talk about like TNA content at the root of it 
you have to have good content. Like it doesn't matter how much you use this strategy. If your content sucks, nobody's going to watch. Like this is a this is a strategy that you use on top of good storytelling, on top of good videography, on top of good audio. Like this is like the last thing you should be doing, not the first thing. Yeah, that's fair. Unless maybe the whole video is just a girl in a bikini, in which case it probably doesn't matter how much as long as like the quality of the video is high enough that people can see that it's a woman in a bikini that might be enough. And there's one channel that I saw, like they actually, their patron is like access to um, like sex material and that's what they do. And their content's not that good, but they advertise the fact that that's a patron benefit enough that like they get people over there. Like I've seen like their ratio of, uh, you know, turnover or not turnover, um, subscribers to patrons it's it's really high it's working for them it totally works for them um again i guess that kind of goes back to like just being strategic about it like what are your goals where are you trying to go is your content good to start out with i just want to make sure that i put out here some of the guidelines on youtube as well because i think it's really important to not not get yourself in trouble with YouTube. Like we can talk all day long about strategy, but what does YouTube say about this? So the YouTube guidelines around this is no pornographic material. So you can't actually have sex, no sexual acts, the use of sexual toys, fetishes, sexually gratifying imagery, no nudity, including the genitals. And for women, unfortunately, that includes your boobs. I say unfortunately, because I think it's shitty. Um, imagery that depicts unwanted sexualization, violent imagery that intends to shock or disgust, vulgar or lewd language, or a thumbnail that misleads viewers to think they're about ready to see something that's not, so clickbait. And if you do this, for example, pornography, your channel will automatically be terminated. You won't get to appeal that. It's going to be terminated right away. If your thumbnail violates other policies, then they might remove the thumbnail and give you a strike. And if it's the first time it's ever happened, then they you might get a when it sorry, a warning with no penalty, um, but you do need to be careful. Delos got demonetized too because somebody was reporting their content as porn. And I'd say Delos is one of the channels that uses like bikinis, girls in bikinis in one of the most authentic ways. Like I don't watch their content and think that at any point they're really using it specifically just to get views. They're out there having a good time in bikinis and that's what their content is, right? So when should someone not use the strategy? I think if you're not comfortable with your body being on display would be the main thing. If your partner doesn't isn't comfortable with their body being on display and it's their body that's going to be front and center, probably respect that. I, yeah, I think you're right. It really comes down to your individual personal choice. Um, I do think that like relevancy is a huge one as well. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add to this? Anything like last thing you'd want to say to a creator who's considering using this strategy? Figure out like what we've been talking about. Is it going to serve your final goal or do you think it's going to hurt? And also I think you can try it and see how it works, right? Like it's not like you use one TNA thumbnail and that's it. You're a TNA channel from now on. Like you can test it a few times. You can try it on different styles of videos. You can see what the feedback is that you get and decide from there whether or not it's something that fits you and fits what you're trying to do. None of it is um, written in stone. It's all fluid. The other thing that I would just add to this is that uh, a, a biggest thing that I see a lot of channels is um, know your goals. And it's funny because I'm, I'm getting a bunch of people signed up for my course right now. And one of the questions I always email back to them is, um, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to do with your channel? And people always say something like, um, I'm trying to monetize or um, I'm trying to be financially sustainable. I'm trying to get sponsors. I'm like, that's not a goal. 
Like your a goal is I want to transform people in this way. I want to get more people sailing. I want to get more people um, comfortable with adventuring. Like a goal when you're thinking about YouTube and your channel is audience focused. It's not you focused. When you say I want to monetize, that's you focused. You want to turn and look at audience focus. What's the transformation that I want my channel overall to make in my audience? And does using this strategy support that goal? How can people find you? I'm on YouTube, Wayward Life Sailing. And again, our content right now is all boat rebuild, but hopefully by the spring, we'll be traveling up to Alaska, where I will be jumping in the water in a bikini. So you might see some thumbnails as I freeze my butt off in the very cold waters around here. But that's, that's something I do all the time. Anyway, um, you on Instagram, we're the wayward life and Facebook also the wayward life. And, and I guess the one thing that I wish for people is to really just like lean into who you are, lean into your skin, lean into loving yourself. Like if loving yourself means covering up, great. If loving yourself means showing your body, great. Like that's one thing that I have totally embraced this year. Like I've got all these sparkles in my hair and for the longest time I was told to just be conservative and do all these things. And like finally embracing like what I want to do with my body and getting a little bit sexy has felt so empowering and so good that, yeah, I I hope that that's the impact I can have here. Just more acceptance and more awareness of like everybody's doing their thing and nobody really knows what they're doing. We're all just trying our best to live our lives the best we can and become from a place of just like being open to learning something and understanding people on a deeper level instead of competing or instead of being judgmental then you're going to make the world a lot better of a place a lot faster i really hope you guys enjoyed this discussion i sure did and i'm super excited about this conversation because i think that this topic needs to be more out in the open and we can empower more people to use it effectively if they desire to do so of course Um, i'd love to hear what you guys think go ahead and comment below what do you agree with what do you not agree with and um would you be willing to do me a small favor so This podcast makes its way into search rankings because of the reviews that you guys give. So if you could go give this a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, or if you're on YouTube, give it a like. That would help so, so, so much and help me reach more creators. And I really appreciate you. And um, I'll see you guys in two weeks. A less controversial topic, but I'll see you in two weeks.